for the reading of God's Word. Okay, so our reading today is from Isaiah 30, 1 and 2, 7 and 15 to 26. Thanks, Pastor Kyle. Ah, <laughs> uh, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine, and who make an alliance, but not of my spirit. They may add sin to sin, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh, and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Egypt's is, help is worthless and empty. Therefore I have called her Rahab, who sits still. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning in rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling, and you said, No, we will flee upon horses. Therefore you shall flee away, and we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five you shall flee, till you are left, like a flagstaff on top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Hmm. And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a just God. Blessed are all those who wait for him. For a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, Yet your teacher will not hide himself any more, but your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, then you will defile your carved idols overlaid with silver and your gold-plated metal images. You will scatter them as unclean things. You will say to them, be gone. And he will give rain for the seed which you so the ground and bread, the produce of the ground, which will be rich and plenteous. In that day, your livestock will graze in large pastures, and the oxen and the donkeys that work the ground will eat seasoned fodder, which has been winnowed with shovel and fork. And of every lofty mountain and every high hill, there will be brooks running with water. Moreover, the light of the moon will be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun will be sevenfold as the light of seven days. In the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Friends, I hope that we can take that passage of scripture responsibility to, to expound on what God's word says. So that we can apply it and we can hear it and we can be changed by it. Um, the preaching moment is not about me, and hopefully it's not about me this morning either, um, because th really this isn't a support group for me, right? Um, uh, this is a time for you to hear God's word. I mean, th the church very much is a support group, so don't get me wrong, but what's happening in this moment is really the hearing of God's word. It's a little different. But I felt it was important that I spend some time just giving you some testimony about my life um, and about... Um, what God has shown me these past four or five years that we've been um, leading together Refuge Church. Um, an issue, uh, it's been so consuming for me that I was 
um, just convinced I needed to share it with you um, so that you might relate with it if you're in a similar place and be encouraged in your faith. And hopefully you'll see how God's word speaks into this from Isaiah. Now, we started our church, like, I, like some of you, most of you know, about five years ago. And personally, I have never experienced the degree of, of um, soul torment in my whole life. Um, it has not been easy for me. Um, I have not been well. And that's not an understatement. Um, I'm not saying I've never had times of discouragement or anxiety or sorrow, but um, the degree of which I've experienced it in this past five years has been unprecedented. Um, it's not because of any of you. Um, so if you're thinking, wow, I shouldn't have said that to him three weeks ago, that's <laughs> it has nothing to do with any of that. Um, it's not been because of any problems in our church. Um, there have been hard situations that we've had to deal with, but but nothing abnormal to what is typical to church life. Um, quite the opposite, actually. We've been gifted with kind and godly and hardworking and incredibly encouraging people. Um, but for some reason, I've been tyrannized in ways uncommon to my own experience with fear, um, with depression, with insecurity, and more. Now, I know the way I come across is I can kind of be happy-go-lucky. I can be kind of jovial and joke around a lot, and that's sort of me. Um, and, and I'm not saying that I'm faking it when I do that. It's just sort of my personality, but I carry other things with me simultaneously at times. Um, not every waking hour has been like this. I'm not trying to suggest to you that I, I have had experiences of joy, enthusiasm, and hope and degrees um, um, that, that were amazing and still are. But, but much too often that I know um, should be what is the common experience of life in Christ. That was not my, that has not been my experience. Um, and it has left me at times just desperately unhappy, unhappy and feeling just extreme amounts of hopelessness. Um, um, I've been at times virtually unable to do anything um, that I've, uh, I've had to sometimes just force myself to get out of bed in the morning, um, to, to do the job that you all call me to do, that my God calls me to do, and, and hopefully I've still done it, and I've been faithful to do it, but it's been hard, it's been difficult um, for me to actually do anything, to mow my lawn, right? Um, and, and I haven't sat on this, by the way. I've sought counseling, pastoral peers, um, doctors. Um, I've been to support groups. Um, I have been busy paying attention to this, and, and I've confessed some of this um, to some of you even. Um, and I prayed more than I ever have in my life. I've taken spiritual retreats. You know, I go to Maine and I do this. Um, I started, um, I, I came up with a plan to memorize and sing the entire book of Psalms by, by heart, right? And I've, I've gotten 15 chapters down, <laughs> right? Um, but the tormentor um, has persisted. And I've just felt like it's not dropping off. This knot is in me and it's not getting untied. Um, I text, uh, the text I read to you this morning uh, sits in this section of scripture describing a, a great threat to the safety and welfare of Jerusalem. And Assyria um, is about to completely destroy Jerusalem. The king of Assyria is threatening um, the king of Jerusalem with complete destruction, complete annihilation. And... Uh, to add to the drama, if you know anything about the book of Isaiah, this comes kind of later on, but um, he finds out that he has a life-threatening illness, and he's going to die soon. 
Um, so th- this is not a good time for Hezekiah. Jerusalem is about to be sacked um, by Assyria, and he's going to die of cancer, right? Um, so he prays a prayer that for me, as I, you know, I, I stumbled across this prayer a couple of weeks ago, but this has been sort of been my prayer for quite some time. It says in Isaiah 38, I said, in the middle of my days, I must depart. I am consigned to the gates of hell for the rest of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord. From day to night, you bring me to an end. Like a lion, you break my bones. I moan like a dove, and my eyes are weary from looking to you. So, so friends, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say that, the, that this has been sort of a common experience for me. Um, the emotional and spiritual struggle of my heart um, for much of my tenure here at Refuge Church, uh, feeling like a failure, um, like I don't have what it takes to lead any of you, um, that even if the smallest thing isn't right, it's my fault, right, because I've done something wrong. Uh, if I don't do everything perfect, everything's going to fall apart, right? So this is sort of like the torment that I've been kind of going through in my heart and in my soul. Um, I don't, I, I'm not saying this to you for pity. <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not fishing for encouragement afterwards. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm telling this to you because I'm testifying to you about something that's important um, for me in my life um, because I don't think that any of us will survive spiritually without um, having understood some of the things that, brought that, that are bringing me through this. So all of this sort of internal mayhem um, has been my experience, but something happened though. Okay, it gets better. <laughs> um, last week, um, I was I was sitting through one of these sessions at the the orientation, sort of feeling the weight of what is typical weight for me to feel. Um, and a pastor from Las Vegas is about to get up and speak about restoration. And the only thing, the only way that I can describe what happened to me, to you, is just suddenly while I was sitting in my seat, it was almost like a fever broke. Like I was dying with some fever, and then all of a sudden, it was gone. And peace was reigning. Um, I don't, I, I can't explain to you why all of a sudden God decided to untie a knot, but he did. Um, it was like a light switch that turned. And, and something that I've spoken about for so many months and even years to you now that you've heard me talk about all the time, it, it, it sort of went from here to here in a way that was um, new to me and new to my experience. Um, it was a miracle, friends. And some months ago, um, th- this, this is sort of what happened. And I think what occasioned God just sort of showing up in my life and revealing something to me that I really needed and desperately needed. Some months ago, I had to make a decision to give something up. I don't, I don't really want to say what it was. Just I had to give something up. It was, it was a small thing. It wasn't even that big a deal. Um, but if you consider my state of mind at the time, can't small things be big things? <laughs> right? The littlest thing, when you're not healthy, can totally make you derail. 
it, our text even said a, sh a thousand shall flee at the threat of one. Right? That's sort of, you know, one little thing. And I'm a thousand. I got all you around me. Got all this stuff. I got great kids, a great wife. What else? I got money in my bank account. Nothing's going wrong. But one thing shows up, and I'm, I'm a shambles. So th I make this small sacrifice, and, and right before this, this pastor gets up to start preaching, the host of the weekend gets up before him to introduce him, but he announces to the whole group, and there's about 300 people in the room, that they're going to give us, all of us, a gift. And it was the exact thing that I had given up some months before. The little thing. But, but when this was announced to me, it was almost like God, God was showing me two things that I, that I desperately needed to believe. Uh, the, num the number one thing is that he's my helper and he's my provider. He's your helper and he's your provider. Right? Like, I say that all the time to you, don't I? But I don't, I haven't believed it. That's just the confession. That's the truth. I've needed, I've needed other things to make me feel like I was going to be okay. Right? And it wasn't God. It was, it was material stuff. Things around me. Um, but that was the first thing. He said, I'm your help and I'm provided. Here's the second thing that was just loud and clear. He said, I'm going to bless you and your community. You're, that's not your job. Right? It's not your job. So in other words, it's okay if my sermon stinks on Sunday. Right? Like, it's okay if I'm not Andy Stanley and I don't have all this cool, awesome, slick system to run and manage the church. Right? Like, he's going to do it. And it's okay. I'm not saying I'm throwing out wisdom, but I was trusting it too much. You see, so those are the two things that just in my seat, for some reason, something that I've talked about to you, how many people know you can talk about something, but not really, you know, you, you say it over and over again, but you don't really, your hearts are far from it. Um, so I, I can't explain it, but for the first time since we started here, I believe the, the past week I probably pastored this church better than I have for the past five years because I've been free. Um, and I, I wanted you to know that. I felt like you needed to know that because I don't know that everyone knows what's been kind of going on deep in my heart. And I don't think that you know um, in, in the, the liberation, the freedom um, that I've been talking about is real. Right? It's real. You know, and I, and I think there have been times I've gotten up to speak to you and I'm like, I'm saying things and I'm like, this doesn't work. And I'm saying like it works. This works. Try it. Pray. Do this. You know, follow this code. It works. And I go in my office and I hide. And I'm like, it doesn't work. I feel like a hypocrite. I don't even believe any of this. Right? But God, God um, was faithful. God heard. And, and, and I want to share with you a few, a few more things um, that God kind of showed me throughout this process. Um, from specifically from Isaiah, I've been sort of camping out in Isaiah um, for the past month or two. And um, I, I don't know if this makes sense, but I, I think for the first time in my life, I feel ready. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and, and it's not because, and here's the magic behind it. It's not because I feel like, wow, I learned some cool 
thing. You know, like, I'm good at this now. I can preach better, or I know how to run this or that department of the church. It has nothing to do with that. Like, I, I feel ready because I'm like, okay, God's going to do it. And I actually believe that now. So, like, I'm off the hook. <laughs> I don't have, I never had to be on it. Um, here's the first message that I got. Um, Egypt can't help me. Egypt can't help you. Okay? Ah, stubborn children. And it's a great verse to start off a sermon with, right? Especially if you're new. Right? Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not my plan. And who make it a, Is it possible that the reason we're so miserable is we're, we're trying to pull off a plan that's not even God's? Right? Who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. And they set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Now, friends, i got to confess to you that since we started our church, I think I've said one thing and done another. another. I said I've been trusting God, but I've been actually trusting Pharaoh. Um, Satan is cunning, too, because in Scripture, Pharaoh is clearly the antagonist. He's the bad guy, right? And it's easy to spot him. You know you're not supposed to follow Pharaoh. But Satan is cunning in our lives. A lot of times he tricks us. We take something that's good, but we make it bad, right? Um, so I've had a Pharaoh. Um, it just wasn't so obviously Pharaoh. My Pharaoh was wisdom from pastors that I respected, right? Good preachers, good systems guys. Like, th that was my Pharaoh, my respected leaders, my mentors. In my mind, if I was going to successfully lead our church, I had, I had to take their advice, and I needed to follow it to the T. And if I messed up even the littlest, everything's just going to fall apart. See what I mean? You see the subtlety? The Bible tells us to listen to wisdom of good, good, godly counselors. So in my mind, I'm doing something that I should be doing. But a little shift happened because I started trusting men instead of God. I, start, I started trusting advice from books I was reading instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so I, I just unwittingly and I subtly made this mistake of looking to people over my helper. Um, it was, I think, even unconscious. I don't even know that I was aware that it was happening. Um, but believing that if, if I forgot something or if I led something out, then it would just be the cause of our demise. Isaiah 33 says this, He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, who despises the gain of oppression, who shakes his hand lest they hold a bribe, who stops his ears from hearing bloodshed and shuts his eyes from looking on evil, he will dwell on the heights. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. His bread will be given his water will be sure. Your eyes will behold the king and his beauty, and they will see a land that stretches far. So friends, who, beho who beholds the king? Who's blessed by the king? Who dwells on the heights with bread and water? Who sees a land that stretches far, right? God's blessing. The one that knows and looks like and loves God. Not the smart one. Not the really, 
you know, not the guy, not the, the new pastor with skinny jeans and a frohawk that knows all these cool stuff. That's smart. God bless those guys. I'm not trying to diss them. But right, like, that's not where we get his blessing from. We get his blessing from the integrity of our hearts as we love and follow and trust him. True? Nice. I've, I, I've always said that I believe that, but I realize, like, oh, the sign's not out. Who didn't put the sign out? And I'm starting to, you know, not, we missed a guest, right? Oh, so the, uh, new people walked in. They don't have a gift bag. Dad? They're not coming back now, <laughs> right? All these things, like I've been told, you got to do these things, and it will help. And they're, they're, they're my helper now. You see you see the subtle kind of the where you can end up? Something God has been teaching me is that it is my job only to have a pure heart. And it's his job to transform you, right? It's not my job. It's his job. It's God's job to transform your life. And that's true for you, by the way, too. You see, you need God. Yeah, a lot of times I think sometimes we get mad at churches and Christians and people around us because we're, we're, we're inadvertently trusting them for our life. And when they can't give it to us, we're mad at them for not giving it to us. You see, we're not here so that we can get life from each other. We're here to get life from Jesus Christ. And it's easy to forget that. Uh, the second thing I learned, um, depending on Pharaoh, is soul crushing. We think, oh, I'm in trouble, so I'm going to get this help and I'll feel better. It actually makes us worse. It makes us worse. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one, at the threat of five, you shall flee till you are left like a flagstaff on the, on the top of a mountain, all alone. You keep trusting in God's creation over, God's, over God himself, then what's going to happen is you are going to be around 100 people and feel all alone. And that's exactly what happened to me. I have all this light around me, but I can't see it because I'm not trusting God. A thousand can't make me flee. Th this is something, uh, this is a pattern I've known and noticed in my life. When I'm right with God, I can quite literally have nothing. I can be faced with threats on every side, but simultaneously, when I'm right with God, my soul is filled with hope, courage, and optimism. A thousand people couldn't make me flee. Little David can slay Goliath, right? But when I'm not right with God, I can have everything. I can have a job. I can have money. I can have prosperity. I can have people telling me that I'm the cat's meow. But it's not enough. One little thing sets you off. You can be internally terrified. And thousands can flee at one. And you can be alone when you have so much around you. Why, why would any of us ask Pharaoh for his horses in, a t in times of trouble? Well, it's because we don't believe God's going to help us. So we got to take matters into our own hands. we got to say, if God's not going to help me, then I'm going to help me. I'm going to figure it out. They trust something besides God, if he's not going to help, that might help them. We decide that if God isn't going to help us, 
get what we want, then we're going to look to someone else to make it happen. Right? And that's what I was doing. That's what I've been doing. I want something. It's not wrong to want something, too, by the way. But it is when we start trusting our own hands for it rather than God's hands. We decide that if God's not going to give us what we want, we're going to look to something else to help us make it happen, right? But what if the vision we're aiming for isn't God's vision? Isn't that okay? Like, why am I so bent on having to have something in particular? Like, if God says, no, I want you to go this way, isn't that okay? Why are we so determined to get what we want? I'm still a little kid that wants my toy. And if my, my brother takes it or my sister takes it, I'm going to punch him. <laughs> Nothing's changed. I, not, not thy will, but my will be done. It doesn't say that. <laughs> right? Is it possible that if things don't work out for you, that it's because God has something better for you? So can you trust that? Can I trust that? You know, a sure sign that we're not interested in God's will is when we start to bypass his help and start creating our own help. And we enter into this tyranny of fear. Uh, the third thing I wanted to talk about, um, God always hears your distress when you call out to him. Always. The only reason that God untied a knot for me is because I stopped medicating myself on TV and food. And I started praying. I started looking to God. Friends, it's the only reason I'd still be in the same torn up spot. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon, as soon as he hears it, he answers you. Your eyes will see your teacher. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, okay, now that I got your attention, walk this way and go that way. Walk in it. And you know what next you're going to do next? You're going to defile your carved idols overlaid with silver and your gold-plated metal images. You're going to burn them. You're going to not trust Pharaoh and his horses anymore. And you'll scatter them as unclean things. And you'll say, be gone. I don't need you. I need God. I need the helper, the savior, the one and true Lord, the only helper of my life. Friends, I've unwittingly believed that God did not want to bless me and was not listening to me. I started believing that. God, will you do this for us? He's not. And then in my heart, he's not going to do that. He doesn't want to use me. This isn't going to, right? This is Satan, all this stuff. I'm going to end up in some bad place for some reason. Right? I've, so I've, I just unwittingly carried that around, that God didn't want to bless me, that he wasn't listening to me. But friends, it was the exact opposite. I just wasn't ready to be blessed by him yet. If God blesses us when we're trusting a horse, what are we going to give the credit to? The horse. Right? If God blesses you when you're trusting a horse, you if in other words, if God gives you something that you ask for when you're trusting a horse for it, then you're going to think the horse gave it to you. Isn't that true? Sometimes the worst thing God could do for us is to give us what we ask for. Because we're going to think our hands did it. We're going to think some person did it. 
we're not going to realize the freedom, life, joy, and peace that we can have simply by trusting Jesus Christ. Right? And we're always, for the rest of our life, going to depend on some material benefit that God gives us for us to feel satisfied. Does that make sense? And that's where I've been. Horses don't help you. Maybe that's a good title for this sermon. Oh, and by the way, if God blesses us when I'm asking a horse for help, the horse doesn't just get the credit, I do. Because I was smart enough to know that I needed it, right? Oh, look at you, see? We got bailed out because I knew we needed this little thing, this trick. I knew we needed it, and I grabbed it, and now we're saved. I saved you. See? He hears the turmoil of my soul and my groaning. He proves to me I need him and not some idol. And he promise, promise, when, when this finally clicks, he promises you a blessing. For thus said the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. And quietness and trust shall be your strength. For thus said the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In returning for his help and resting in what he says and what he promises, you shall be delivered. That's your life internally. That's your soul peace that you're after. Return to him and you shall be saved in quietness and in trust. In your prayer closet at home when you cry out to him, you'll find your rest. He'll show up like with Moses. He showed him his backside. He showed him all his glory. We'll realize where our help comes from. Amen? The fourth thing I learned, and this is important, my pain, your pain, leads to life in the life of people around you. It's a non-negotiable. This is what I'm saying. There's no way around internal chaos in the spiritual life. If you're going through it, it's because you have to if God is going to bring you to a height with him. There's no way around it. So if you think God is, you think oh, all of this darkness in me is because God has abandoned me, it's the opposite. It's in you because he has not abandoned you and he's trying to burn something out of you. Some idol, some horse, some pharaoh. That's why it's happening. So rejoice. Go to him because he's speaking to you. He's, he's saving you. He's in the process of saving you. Behold, chapter 38, verse 17. It was for my welfare that I had great bitterness. Oh, if we would just read the Bible and know that this isn't just for some ancient tribe 4,000 years ago. God is speaking to you in this and me. Oh, Kyle, it was for your welfare that you have this bitterness. But in love, you've delivered my life from the pit because you've cast all my sins behind your back. Oh, I've spent some time really screwing up, not getting the picture, being sinful. But my God, it's okay, because my God has cast all the sins behind his back. They're gone. So you're not doomed because you messed up two years ago or three years ago or four years ago, right? It's a hard saying, friends, but you have to have bitterness to have life. 
you got to go through it. Because God is putting, putting a spotlight on some Pharaoh of yours, some plan that you have that's not his plan, or maybe it is his plan, but you're trying to pull it off by yourself. You think it's your job to do it, and it's not. Some trust that's not him. Maybe you're bitter over your body. I've been. How, how, oh, I just, I'm so overweight. I'm so unattractive. Right? Don't, don't we feel like that? So we don't even want to look at pictures of ourselves without slipping into some misery. Oh, if I was strong and skinny again, handsome, beautiful. Oh, for some of us, maybe the worst thing that could happen to us is that we get fit. Because it's just a horse. It's a delusion. Your body isn't God. God is God. Your muscles don't affirm you. Right? I've been riding my bike like, a, like an idiot because I've been trying to lose weight. And it's not because I want to be healthy. It's because I want to look good. I want people to be impressed by how I look. Thank you, Dad. So I'm riding my stupid bike in the middle of the night instead of being on my knees. And I think that I can have peace when I'm skinny. Right? Didn't work, by the way. You probably noticed I gained 10 pounds back. I'm not telling you to not be healthy, to not watch what you eat or exercise. I'm not telling I'm just saying your body isn't God. It's not your life. It's not your savior. We need our lies exposed. We need to be free from bondage. We need to be driven to our knees to cry out to God for our soul problem. And you know, to, to our surprise, he, doesn't, he answers, but he doesn't always make us rich or skinny or successful. He gives us himself. He might give you those things later in a way that's healthy. But he, he's got to give us him first. And we got to give us to him first. Does that make sense? We say, it's all yours. My life is yours. You can do what you want with my life. And I'm going to trust you to whatever it is that you want to do with my life to make it happen, to provide for it. I'm going to trust you. That's what we say in our hearts. And we say, I'll do what you say now. Right? To our surprise, he listens. He responds. He gives us himself. And we say, it's all yours. My help comes from you. I'll do it. He, and you know what he says? Finally. Okay, good. Let's get started now. Right? Now go left. Now turn right. Now look at the land that's going to stretch out before you. Because it's not your God anymore. I can give it to you now because it's not your God. You don't need it. Right? And he will give rain for the seed with which you sow the ground. Fruit. That's where fruit is. Fruit comes at our death. And he will give you rain for seed with which you sow the ground and bread the produce of the ground which will be rich and plenteous. Now we're ready to be blessed. Now you're ready to be blessed. There's, there's two more things I want to say, and then I'm going to close, okay? 
believing God is the prescription for internal freedom and external blessing. And the sixth thing I want to say is that seeking God in his word and in prayer is the only way to actually start believing him. Okay? Let me say that again because that was kind of a mouthful. Believing God is the prescription for internal freedom. Like, I needed to be free. I wasn't free. So I needed to start believing God. Well, how do I start believing God? I need to seek God in the word and prayer. It's the only way that I can start to believe him. Right? There, it, it's a non-negotiable. If you don't read the Bible and you don't pray to God what you read in the Bible every single day, you're going to die. It's not, Christianity isn't going to work. Coming to church on Sunday and hearing a sermon for 40 minutes is not enough. If you want to have life, you need to be with Jesus. Okay? Believing is trusting. That's what believe means in the Bible. It's trusting. Trusting, for me, this, this sort of played out in two ways. Trusting God for two things. That his plan is better than my plan. That if things don't work out here, it's okay. Because he's got a better plan for me. It's not because I suck. Sorry for that language. Right? If things don't work out here, it's because God has something better that I'm not seeing. It's okay. It's not because I'm a failure. It's not because, you know, that person that broke up with you? It's not because you're ugly. It's because God has something better for you. It's because you're beautiful. Right? So simple. Believing is trusting. Trusting God that his plan is better than my plan and that he is going to provide the means to execute that plan, not Pharaoh. When I start to realize, okay, God's called me to this, I'm going to go this way, it's not my job now to pull it off. God still is in control of it. He's still the one that does it. I, I noted earlier that Israel had a plan, but it wasn't God's plan. Remember that? We read that. You know what Mike Tyson said? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> Isn't that good? Yeah. You, you all got a plan until you get punched in the face. And then he said, he continued, then we're like rats and we don't know what to do. Right? We all got a plan until we get punched in the face. You see, friends, you're going to get punched in the face, and then you're going to realize, maybe I can't trust in my plan. Maybe i got to trust in the creator of the universe. I, you know, as I'm reading through Isaiah, do you know how many times God tells us, you know I, I made the stars? Do you know I raised the oceans up and down? Do you know I formed the earth? Fear not. I am your helper. Trust me. You know how many, just read Isaiah and underline the amount of times it says that. You see, friends, the key is to not believe in me. That's, that's backwards in our culture. Believe in you. You got what it takes, right? For me, that doesn't work. Because I have this voice that says, you don't have what it takes. You're not good at anything right? That doesn't work for me. Maybe you type A's are more like, yeah, that's me. I, I can do, I can do whatever I want. That's not me. But, you know, we bo we're both making the same mistake, though. We both think we're in charge. The key is to not believe in yourself, but to believe in God. First, that he moves us left when I was planning. I'm going to believe that if he moves me left when I was planning right, it's okay. It's better. Left is better, right? 
and that nothing, not anything, can interfere with God's will when he moves me that way. Because he's the boss. He's the king. So I don't have to take matters into my own hands. Who shall rise up into God's holy place? Even he that has clean hands and a pure heart. Even he that has not lifted up his mind unto vain things. He's the one that rises up to God's holy place. He's not vain. He doesn't think it's my job to make everything work. Right? That's vanity. The one with clean hands, the one with a pure heart, not the competent, not the hardworking, beautiful, beautiful or talented, or the superstar. Right? The one that depends on God for help. Uh, one little thing that sort of happens in this process is I'm, I told you I'm part of the Send Network, right? And a lot of times I go to these things and I walk away feeling miserable. And you want to know why? Because a lot of times they'll talk about what God's doing and I can't rejoice with them. You know, let's talk about the baptisms and like, you know, God did this and we're just so thankful. And they're not bragging, they're just thankful for what God has done. But I'm sitting there like, God doesn't want to, God doesn't love me. Why does he bless them and not me? But for the first time, I was able to actually, wow, I was thankful. When, when someone was given a testimony of something God did for them, I was happy for them. And I didn't take it as like, God has abandoned me. Isn't that great? It's great news. The one that depends on God's help. And how do you become a person that believes, like really believes God is with you and he loves you and he's blessing you no matter what? Right? What does the Bible say about fruit? He gives to some 30-fold. Here we go, teens. Some 60-fold and some 100-fold. Right? Why are you mad if you're the 30-fold person? And not the 100 You think it's because you're not as smart. Maybe it's because that's what God wants for you. And it doesn't matter. So we're a 30-fold person or a 60-fold person or 100-fold. Your, your friends have more money than you, a, a prettier wife, whatever. Fill in the blank. What is it? It doesn't matter. What if God has given you 30-fold to be faithful with that 30-fold until he comes? You know that God doesn't, isn't happier with the 100-fold guy than he is with the 30-fold guy? He's not. Oh, isn't that great news? That's freedom. The one that depends on God's help, and we, we become that person, the person that really believes that God's will is good for us, that he's blessing us and will bless us, the person that trusts him and not yourself, the free person who from, 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 from this person flows waters of life. How do we become that person? Well, we believe God. Well, how do we believe God? We listen to God. We ask for his help, and we don't stop. It's that simple. It's not a magic trick. It's not engineering. You don't need to learn calculus, right? You need to ask him every day and don't every single stinking day for the rest of your stinking life. You need to pray. And you need to say, God, give me faith. Help me to believe you. You need to open his word every day of your life and drink water. I'm, not, I'm under no illusion that in three months from now I can't be just as miserable because faith leaks. It does. I need to every day freshly receive God's word from my life so that I continue believing it. I need to believe it or I'm going to die. 
And the only way that I can believe it is if I'm with God every day. You don't need to learn what infolapsarianism is. You don't need to have eight volumes of systematic theology. That's all great, and it's helpful. But friends, you need life. You need to turn to prayer for, for transformation. You need to go to the Bible, not for information, but transformation. You see, friends, one, one great and wonderful practice that I've been doing lately is I, is I read the word and I pray the word back to God. This is what you're telling me, God, by it. And it gets me to actually pray what he's saying to me and not what I want in life. Does that make sense? It gets me thinking about what I really need and what he's saying to me. You see, friends, something I noted in my life that happened about three months ago is the way that I've been praying has changed. I'm not saying this to brag, but as a testimony to God's grace in my life. I stopped asking God to give me the things I wanted, and I started asking God to help me trust him. And he answered. He untied a knot. And these chapters in Isaiah have been really transformative for me. And consider what it says in in, in just chapters 30 through 40 alone. Hear the instruction of the Lord, chapter 30, verse 9. Hear the word behind you saying, walk this way, chapter 30, verse 21. The ears of those who hear will give attention, in chapter 32, verse 3. Hear my voice, 32, 9. Hear you who are far off, 33, 9. Draw near, hear, give attention, 34, 1. Hear the word of the Lord, 39, 5. Do you not know, do you not hear, the Lord is the everlasting God, 40, 25. It doesn't say read this book by Mark Dever or this one by Andy Stanley and everything will go well for you. Hear the Lord. Hear him. And there's only one way that I know to hear him, and this is brilliant rocket science type of, type of advice. Read God's word every day and talk to him about it. You want a better marriage? There you go. Do that. You want to be happier with your work, with your retirement? with your losses, with your gains, do that, and you will. I want to close with one more observation. This is it, okay? King Hezekiah is given this slanderous letter by the king of Assyria, um, and in it, he starts threatening Hezekiah. He says, your God won't help you. Other nations have prayed to their gods, and I've destroyed them all. Egypt won't help you. Even if you had a 1,000 horses, you wouldn't even have the men to put on them. Right? He's talking smack to Hezekiah. We're coming, Hezekiah, and we're going to destroy you. And this is, you know what Hezekiah does? I'm going to read it to you. Hezekiah received the letter and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Got on his knees, and he took the letter, and he spread it out on the ground. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. He didn't call Pharaoh. He didn't say, help, I'm in trouble so-and-so. Give me some wisdom. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the angels, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the king of Assyria um, has laid waste all the nations. It's true. He's, He's taken over everybody. He's cast their gods into the fire. But they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. Isn't that great? Finally, he took his fear 
out of Pharaoh's hands and put it in the Lord's. And some of you, this is what I did last week when I was in Kentucky. I took some things that I've been afraid of. I actually had some things in my bag. And I read this, and so I said, God, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And I put them on the ground of the living room floor, and I prayed. And I said, God, save me. And he did. Saved me. And he'll save you. And you know, some of you, you have your own little letter going on right here. Things you're terrified about, insecure about. And you need to write it down, and you need to go home, and you need to put it on the floor, and you need to say, God, save me. And he will. And you need to rinse and repeat. You need to go back to him every day because he's your Lord and he loves you. Can you pray with me? God, I thank you this morning for the power of your word. Some of you this morning have a letter. You've been trusting a horse, a pharaoh. You've been trusting Egypt. And you have a letter of fear and threats. And if that's you, I, I want to ask you, um, to get bold right now. Um, maybe, maybe what you need to do is get on your knees. Maybe you need to just sit in your seat. Maybe you need to stand up. Maybe you need to come forward. And I'll pray for you. So I'm going to ask you, if that's you, if you've been terrified, tyrannized, I want you to take a moment right now to deal with it. You've got to do something. You've got to pursue God or you're gonna keep, it's going to keep at your heels. It's going to keep going after you. So friends, if that's you, stand up, kneel, come forward. Whatever it is God's calling or pressing on your heart to do, do it now and don't waste any more time. Maybe we can have some people to come up and pray for brothers and sisters. Maybe Joe and Mark can come on up here and help me. God, you see um, this awful and threatening letter. We've been tyrannized, some of us, terrorized by lies, by God, false gods that can't save us. God, would you save us? Would you hear us? Would you speak to us through your word and help us to remember who we are and how you love us? I pray, God, release us from our chains from the, from the knots in our soul God maybe we have friends or family we know Lord that are just trapped God would you save them would you hear us and help water bread to come out from us and give life not only to our, our own soul but to those around us God, we thank you that you've done these things for us. We ask you that you would hear our prayer now. God, bless us now as we take.